So please remain standing for the reading of God's word from Psalm 23. And let's behold what our holy God reveals to his people in his word together. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's God's word to his people. Today you may be seated, and let's pray once again together and ask God for his help. So be our great shepherd, we pray, Father, and feed us from your word. Lead us into the depths of your glory that we find in it. Restore our souls today in you and give us a view of your goodness and mercy that has followed us, will follow us, and will bring us to eternity with you one day forever, we pray. Amen. You probably know this by now, but I kind of like the Psalms, and um, I love preaching them, and they are the song prayers that God has given his people that deepen our faith because they're honest about the reality of life in a fallen world without being cliche or stoic. The Psalms meet you in the nitty-gritty of life, uh, but never let you wallow there, calling us to a greater love for and deeper trust in God. And Psalm 23 is no exception. It is a grand view of a great God that tenderly leads and cares for his people through whatever paths lie before them. As verse 1 declares, the Lord is my shepherd. The all caps Lord is the translation of God's covenant name Yahweh. It was first revealed to Moses in Exodus 3 at the burning bush where God tells Moses he's going to free his people from Egyptian slavery. And Moses asks God what name to tell Israel when they ask him who sent him. And God answers in verses 14 and 15, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Now, when you and I often use and hear the word Lord, it often first confronts us, or maybe we view it through the lens of a title. But actually, this is God's personal name. This is his name forever. He wants us to remember not just a title or just things about him, but his name. And a name conveys more than facts. Like, Becky's my wife, but I hardly ever call her that 
or refer to her, her as that or say that to her. You, you, I will not say on my next anniversary, wife, it has been a splendid 22 years of marriage. Or today, after she, ma she makes us food again, I will not say, wife, that was a fantastic dinner. If you heard me talking like that, you might wonder how close we really are. And the same goes for the word Lord here in Psalm 23. It's not a title primarily. So don't let the translation keep you at a distance from God. He wants you to know his name. He's told us his name. Yes, his names convey facts about him. He is self-existent and self-sufficient. He is what he is. He will be what he will be. He, I am who I am. It, he will never need rest. He doesn't need to be replenished. He doesn't need vacation days that so many of us are looking forward to this week or the meal that is prepared to like regain strength. He needs nothing. He needs no one. I am. But this sovereign God commits himself to a people. He, I am that I am. Tell them my name. I want you to know who I am and be remembered throughout all generations. He's the great I am, but I am is near his people, and in Psalm 23, he reveals that he's near his people as their shepherd. He's not so great, most high, majestic, that he's distant and has to delegate the work of knowing, leading, loving, caring for, and providing for his people. The Lord is the shepherd of his people. And Psalm 23 teaches us three ways that's true. Yahweh provides, Yahweh is present, and Yahweh pursues. Yahweh provides, is present, and pursues. So first, Yahweh, the shepherd who provides. Look again at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Listen to that again. Because this verse is so familiar Many of you, uh, okay, I, I don't mean, that sounded worse than I meant it, uh, and you'll know why in a minute. Uh, some of you have been reading that verse for longer than I've been alive, all right? So now you know why I was like many of you. Um, I don't know. I'm not trying to make any cracks on your age, but it's just a simple fact. I have been hearing this verse for as long as I can remember, and some of you have been reading it and meditating on it and have memorized it and know it for decades. So it can become so familiar that it easily becomes unspectacular. So listen to it again. The Lord, I am who I am. I will be what I will be, is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not want. Really? <laughs> I shall not Want? We have a, a holiday gift guide from Target on our table filled with things that children want. <laughs> Sometimes adults want. Uh, we live in a world of wants. Uh, the, the economy you are intimately connected to creates wants and then miraculously has exactly what you need to fulfill those wants that they just created. And we also have wants deep down that we all know can't be delivered by Amazon this afternoon. Better health, better relationships, better lives, more peace, more joy. A Thanksgiving gathering 
that goes well. All these wants that we might have, all sorts of wants that confront us every day. So how is verse 1 true? I shall not want. Well, well, that phrase there doesn't mean you won't desire. It doesn't mean I shall not desire. It means I shall lack nothing. I shall never be in want. I'll never find myself in a position where my shepherd hasn't given me what I need. And you'll never be in want if the great I am, who needs nothing and is eternally undiminished even as he gives out of the overflow of his uh, person, meets your every need because he is your shepherd. He can meet every need because he doesn't need anything himself. That's the point of verse 1. If this Lord is your shepherd, you shall lack nothing. It also means, then, that if you don't have something that you think you should, Yahweh has not failed to provide. If verse 1 is true, then you don't have what you think you need because you don't really need it. Yahweh provides his sheep with everything they truly need so that they can say with utmost confidence, I will lack nothing. And tonight we'll gather for our Thanksgiving service with opportunities to publicly thank God for who he is and what he's done. And, and maybe you're in a season where Thanksgiving doesn't just roll off your tongue. And maybe you're considering not sitting in this room tonight because you're not sure how you can sit here and listen to what God has done for others when you're overwhelmed with a sense of how little he has done for you. And so I ask if I can point something out to you in verse 1 that I think will help you through. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Which means we must trust the shepherd even in seasons where we're not sure how he's leading or what he's doing, we can trust him because he is I am. Cast your mind again on who he is and let Yahweh decide what you truly need. And that kind of control is hard to give up. That kind of trust, I know, is hard to ask. But it's the only path to being satisfied in what God does and what God doesn't provide. And friends, God is the only one who can truly and fully satisfy. That's why verses 2 and 3 say, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. These verses are a picture of total care and infinite provision. Shepherds have to lead their flock from field to field because as their flocks eat and drink, the food and water runs, drought, runs out and runs dry. But when Yahweh is your shepherd, that will never happen. He gives without ever depleting himself. He, he, his resources never run dry, so his people never have to wander off to fill out what God doesn't have or hasn't provided. Like pushing away this Thursday stuffed from the abundant table with grandma still saying there's so much food here and piling thirds on your plate when you don't have any more room. Yahweh's sheep lie down, fully stuffed, with the field around them still green and plentiful. 
they've eaten grass, and yet there's still so much more that they are fully satisfied and lying down. The phrase still waters uh, don't mean stagnant water. It, it means waters of rest. You can be still among them, peaceful waters. It points to the promised land. Uh, in, in our language, in our culture, it'd be, some, like, it'd be akin to saying something like, uh, you, you're putting down roots. You have no need for wandering anymore. The wanderlust is gone because you've found home. Which in Psalm 23, home isn't a place. It's first a person, the Lord. It's knowing that when your shepherd is the eternally self-sufficient, self-existent one, he provides everything you truly need. And it's in that place of trust, that place of abundance, that God begins his restoring work, his refreshing work. True refreshment can never be found outside of God and his provision. Every other field this world has to offer, you will go in and somehow, at some point, it will run dry. It will not satisfy. You'll eat there and find yourself wanting but not so with God. But this is where the truth of Scripture and so often our lives, the nitty-gritty of life, begin to butt heads. If you're in a place where you're not sure how verses 2 and 3 are true, if you're in a place where you haven't found the abundantly green grass and still waters, it may be it may be that you're looking for it in something that's not coming. Home for you is still something, not someone. And so the Lord hasn't satisfied because your shepherd knows what you're looking for isn't going to give you what you truly need. And so he hasn't given it to you. But it, it also may be, if you're feeling the butt of your life uh, you feel your life butting up against the truth of, of Scripture, it, it may be that the Lord is still leading you to this place of provision. You just haven't gotten there yet. He hasn't failed, and, and home for you is a person, and you're not sensing what two and three are telling you is true. It may be because then the Lord is still leading you to that place. And before he makes you lie down fully satisfied, he's leading you in a way that deepens your faith in who your shepherd is. He's leading you to let go of the things you think you should have and trust him to provide what you really need. And how can God ask us to trust him? How, how can that trust deepen? Well, we can trust Yahweh to be our good shepherd who provides because God the Son, Jesus Christ, came to earth as our good shepherd. Jesus is our good shepherd. Listen to John 10. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Do you hear the echoes of Psalm 23 there? 
God's good provision is then most clearly seen in the provision of his son, Jesus. If God provided what we most need in Jesus by saving us, then we can trust him to provide the lesser things we need to enjoy the abundant life the good shepherd has come to give his sheep. But friends, notice that this assurance, both in John 10 and in Psalm 23, is only for those who are God's sheep. Those who enter in the abundant life through the door of the sheep, Jesus Christ. David doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd, but rather the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23 is not universally true. It's only true for those who enter into the salvation God provides by faith in Jesus and repentance of sins. And so Psalm 23 begs the question, is the Lord your shepherd? Have you entered into the door of the sheep through the good shepherd, Jesus? If he is, if Jesus is your good shepherd, then this is true for you. And you have the assurance of God's wonderful provision that you will never lack nothing because Jesus is our good shepherd. Which leads secondly then, Yahweh is the shepherd who is present. Yahweh provides, and secondly, Yahweh is the shepherd who is present with his sheep. Let's begin at the end of verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I wonder if the phrase, I don't need this today, has ever come out of your mouth. Some of you are laughing and you're like, you heard me this morning say that on my way here. I don't need this today. Well, if our words are an overflow of our heart, then saying something along those lines comes from an untrusting heart in God. It comes from a heart that thinks, I know which paths are best for me. I am my shepherd. The phrase, though, paths of righteousness, points to God leading his people down a path that won't lead to their ruin. He leads me in paths of righteousness, in his ways, in his holy ways, to walk with him. So when you actually trust your shepherd, you won't say, I don't need this today. A trusting heart and who Yahweh is and how he leads his sheep will enable you to say, not I don't need this today, but I must need this today. If Yahweh is the shepherd who never fails to provide everything you need for the abundant life and joy the good shepherd Jesus has won for us through his life, death, and resurrection, then you can trust Yahweh knows the best path to lead you to it. So actually the path you're on must be what you need today. And our trust to be able to know that and say that deepens when you know Yahweh is leading you for his name's sake. Think about that. The way he is leading you is buffered and overshadowed by the greater truth that he is leading you for his name's sake. So where you ultimately end up, the path you're on, its final destination matters to God because his reputation is on the line in your life story. He means to get great glory for himself 
among our neighbors and the nations through his leading you. So he's not going to be reckless with you. Yahweh has hitched his wagon to you, so to speak. He's have you saddled up next to him as his sheep, and he is leading you, not on a path to ruin, which then you would be able to say, I don't need this today, but because you know the greatness of your shepherd and you know that he's leading you in a way that his name will be glorified in all the earth, you know whatever path he has you on, you must need it because he's leading you to life. Not because you deserve it. We don't. But because he's jealous for his own name. He's jealous for his own name. He's not going to let thieves and robbers come in. He's not going to let you be stolen, killed, or destroyed. Because the path you're on leads his name to be exalted on the earth. So he's not going to be reckless and lead you to ruin but to life. But again, this is where the Psalms just shed so much light on the everyday living in a fallen world. Because Psalm 23 isn't naive about the dark paths that the shepherd might lead you on. At times, this path of righteousness that he's leading you on is going to lead straight through the valley of the shadow of death. Those times when you can't see how that path is for your good, uh, the, the words in Psalm 23 there uh, are a picture of it's so dark you don't know and can't see a place to place your foot for your next step. And if you misstep, you will tumble to your death and you are scared because you can't see anything around you. You don't know where the extreme danger even is, but you know it's all around you and all seems lost. But just as a light shines brightest in the deepest darkness, so God's glory shines brightest in the dark valleys. We have nothing to fear, David says. Even in these times of extreme danger and isolation, even when everything around us tempts you to tremble, I shall fear nothing, for our shepherd is with us. He's right there with us in the deepest darkness. Now again, this is way better than having a friend walk with you through things, isn't it? I... One of the words for pastor in the New Testament is shepherd. I get to walk with people, often through dark times. But you know what? I leave you, I go home, I sleep, and I'm not aware of you at all in, in some of these times, especially when I'm sleeping. I can't help you. I'm not there. But here's a shepherd who never leaves. He was always with you. And let's just say I could be omnipresent. I'm not omnipotent or omniscient. So I still wouldn't be much help. I would just be there. What good is that? Can you see where to put my foot? Uh, no, I can't see where to put my foot. Well, what good are you? I'm not very good at all. <laughs> what comfort it is then that this is our shepherd. This Yahweh, always with you, even in the deepest valleys, not leading you to ruin, but on a path to life. And he has everything you need to make it through. This is why Rod and 
staff are so comforting in these moments. A rod was the shepherd's weapon to beat off predators and thieves. And he has a staff, the shepherd's tool to rein in a sheep when they're about to take a disastrous step. And the staff is also the tool that he reaches his wandering sheep after they've already done so. So before you step into it and after you step into it, Yahweh is still with you and still has all you need to make it through. He has all he needs to keep us near him and to lead us safely home. And again, what comfort it is to know that the shepherd, who is absolutely capable of leading, rescuing, and protecting, is never far away. In fact, he's never away at all. He's always with his sheep. And we know this again most fully in Jesus Christ. He's the fulfillment of Emmanuel, God with us. And before Jesus ascended to our Father at the end of Matthew's gospel, he sent his church out to the nations with the Great Commission. And that commission to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them, would be a most daunting commission if it wasn't accompanied by Jesus' most assuring promise in Matthew 28. He says this, And behold, yes, I'm sending you out, but I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There is never a place or a time where Jesus is not with us, especially now after he sent his Holy Spirit at Pentecost to dwell within us. Jesus is with us always, from the darkest valleys to the highest peaks. And friends, Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep, promised to be present with us always and forever. A great comfort comes from knowing that the God who promises to abundantly provide is actually always able to because he's always with you. So he provides. He is present. And finally, Yahweh is the shepherd who pursues. Yahweh is the shepherd who pursues. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Again, we have to recall verse 1. Who it is that the you is here. It's Yahweh. I am that I am. I will be what I will be. The self-existent, self-sufficient God who needs nothing and no one. He gives life, yet never runs out of it. He gives and never diminishes. He pours out, but never needs to recover. That's the God, the great I am. And in our world, you usually have to work your way up to greatness. You would think then that this kind of God would demand we pursue him. That's how it works in our world. But Psalm 23, in fact, tells us the complete opposite of Yahweh. It's Yahweh who pursues us. And we see that in two ways. By preparing, first, a table for his sheep. Yahweh pursues us by preparing a table. Isn't it surprising that the creator of all things even desires fellowship with his creatures in the first place? Again, there are, there's worldly greatness, and there are great men and women in history most of the time, they don't want to come 
sit at a table with you. And even when you happen to win or one of those things where you're like, hey, you donate to this charity and there's going to be a lottery and you'll get to have dinner with this person or you get to do this. It's usually a, a few snaps on Instagram to make it look much more bigger than it is. But actually, the celebrity or the, the great person stays pretty distant from us regular people. And so isn't it just surprising that if the Bible is true about who God is, and God has truthfully revealed his name to us, that he actually desires to sit at a table with you. And not only that, it's even more surprising that it's God preparing the table. That's like being invited to the White House and the president, or his, uh, and the president not his chef, not his staff, is making your appetizers, cooking your meal, pouring your drink, and baking a selection of desserts for you to choose at the end. That would not happen. In Genesis 18, Abraham orders a meal for his guests. He doesn't prepare it. Even Abraham, even Abraham is making his servants prepare things for his guests. In Luke 15, the father of the prodigal son has his servants prepare the grand feast. He's not in the kitchen, but here's Yahweh not only pursuing you to sit at his table, he's the one doing all the prep work. He's standing in line at Costco with his basket full of stuff, just waiting to bake all this stuff for you. He's in the kitchen slaving over the hot stove or the grill or the barbecue pit, whatever it is your favorite meal might be. He's baking your favorite dessert. He's pouring, he's topping off your drinks. He's the extravagant host not only pursuing you to sit at the table, but preparing it for you. And, and his hospitality isn't stingy. His pantry's not running dry. His table never runs out. That's what the word anoint there points to. The word anoint isn't the normal word used of anointing kings or priests. It's literally there in the Hebrew, you make my head fat with oil, which is pretty strange for us Westerners to think about. You make my head fat with oil. It's, it's a picture that conveys the sense that God is pursuing his people to lavish good things upon them. He, he wants to lavish his gifts upon his sheep. And just like you take your coat, uh, your guest's coat upon arrival and ask them if they need something to drink and offer a variety of things to make them feel at home. So God heaps his generous provision upon his people as he shepherds them into his presence and invites them to sit at his table. I mean, I don't know about you, but it almost sounds too good to be true. But this is who Yahweh is. And it would be too good to be, to be true. I wouldn't believe it if you told me. But God has told this to us about himself. This is the generously hospitable shepherd pursuing his sheep. He wants to make your head fat with his goodness. And when you think of God, does this kind of shepherd come to mind? A generous, hospitable, pursuing shepherd who longs to fellowship with his people, who longs to lavish good things upon them, and just invites them to enjoy it. Did you notice that Psalm 23 doesn't contain a single command for the sheep? From the, from the beginning, it's God 
who leads, makes, restores, prepares, leads, restores, leads, prepares, anoints. It's God doing all the work. He's not waiting to see if his sheep desire him. He's not making us jump through a bunch of hoops to get to this table. He's pursuing his sheep who've wandered him from his namesake. And he's doing all the work to get us there and to bring us safely home. And so not only does he pursue by prepare, we see his determination in his pursuit. Secondly, he is determined in his pursuit. Look at verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, The word follow uh, often means in the Old Testament to pursue with hostile intent. It's it's like your enemy is hot on your heels. (laughs) Now, the context of Psalm 23 is anything but hostile. But that thought helps us understand the nature of God's determined pursuit of his sheep. He's not easily thrown off the scent. He's not easily thwarted in his pursuit of us. Uh, Sheep stink and are not very smart, and yet that doesn't deter him. He is determined to pursue us. He doesn't give up when opposition arises. And not one of his sheep will escape because he is following them. He is determined to track them down, each and every one of them, not in hostility, but to lavishly pour out goodness and mercy upon them. David is looking back at this point in his life through the lens of Yahweh, I am, is my great shepherd. And so that begins to bring everything and every path and every providence into focus through the lens of who God is. And as he says, the Lord is my shepherd, and he goes through all these paths that he's been brought through and all the ways God has pursued him, he concludes, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And even if dark ones still lie ahead, It's still leading me to goodness and mercy because through everything that's happened, my good and merciful shepherd never failed. And if he hasn't failed in the past, then he's not about to start now. So don't consider God's gracious, determined, lavish pursuit of you just once a year around Thanksgiving time. Look over your shoulder regularly to see how the good and merciful shepherd pursued you both through the peaks and the valleys of life. And D.A. Carson writes why this is so vital to give thanks and look at who God is throughout our lives, not just at yearly intervals. He says this, There are a great many of us who are theologically sound, but who do not find great contentment in the Lord. I suspect it is very often because we have not taken the time to think on his ways, to discipline ourselves in prayer, to meditate on his truth, and to find that by his spirit, he makes us rejoice in him. And that is why the scriptures say, taste and see that the Lord, the Lord is good. The goodness of God is not simply a creedal point. It is an invitation to know him 
and be satisfied. That is so important for us to remember this week of thanksgiving, that the goodness of God is not simply a creedal point, but it's an invitation to know him and be satisfied in him. Brothers and sisters, true joy and peace don't flow from our doing. That's why there's not a command in Psalm 23. Nor from God's good gifts, which are in Psalm 23. True joy and peace flow from knowing God himself, being near God. It doesn't say taste and see the Lord's gifts are good. It says taste and see the Lord is good. Because theological facts don't make you lie down in the abundant pastures of God. Being fully satisfied comes from knowing Yahweh and considering his relentless, determined pursuit of you every day of your life. And the final line of Psalm 23 teaches us that this looking back on God's determined pursuit of his people propels them forward. Looking back propels us forward. At the end of verse 6, it says, And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And God has never failed to shepherd his people in the past, and so he won't fail to bring you all the way home to eternal life with him forever. And it's for his namesake, for his namesake, God is doing this. And Psalm 23 is, again, this picture of abundant life, food, God's presence, his safety. It's actually a picture of what God is doing to remake the world again in a a new Eden, in other words, God is re-edening the world here in Psalm 23. We dwelt with God in the Garden of Eden in abundant fields and peaceful waters. But we rebelled in Adam and God exiled us from his presence. We're now on in a world that is stingy. We have to work the ground and it will be toil. Everything is hard. But we were not exiled from his presence without a promise. And what humanity lost in Eden, Yahweh determined to regain through Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of his sheep. Jesus determined to pursue his people to the cross. He set his face towards Jerusalem to redeem his wayward sheep once and for all. With enemies encircling him, with his enemy in his presence at the table, his betrayer. Jesus hosted a table for his disciples. And Jesus handed his people life through his body and blood because the Father handed him a cup overflowing with the wrath our sin deserved. And Jesus was forsaken so that his sheep would never be. Jesus died in the valley of the shadow of death in our place to redeem us from death's rightful claim on us because of our sin. But because Jesus rose from the dead, Now not even the deepest valley of death can keep his sheep from eternal life with him. And that's why Yahweh's sheep have nothing to fear in death's valley. It's not that there's not fearful things around us. It's because ultimately, now not even death can keep Yahweh from bringing you into his house forever. In fact, death is your servant to now bring you into his presence forever. And if the great shepherd of the sheep did all this, then he will not fail to bring every one of his sheep home through whatever path lies before them. 
And right now, Jesus has told us he is preparing our eternal home with him. He has gone to prepare a place for us and has promised to come again to bring us all home. Let me, let me, we, we did this last week, and I hope to, you see these two psalms coming together here. But we ended last week, and we'll end this week again with this home, this forever dwelling place that Jesus is preparing. Listen to 21, Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and the sea was no more. And just a little hint, you might love the sea, but in the Bible, the sea is all about chaos. It's chaos and death. It's fear. It's all the bad things wrapped up into a single picture. The valley of death is no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, this home that we will dwell with God forever in, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That's what our God is doing right now. That is the home that's on the horizon. And that is the home he's leading you to through whatever path he lies before you, not only this week, but for all your days. He is following you, no matter what path you might find yourself on, with goodness and mercy hounding you at your feet to bring you to this home. So even the darkest valleys on earth become brighter when you know what awaits you, come what may. And so friend, do you know the joy and assurance of being able to say, not that the Lord is a shepherd, but is my shepherd. If you hear Jesus calling, don't harden your heart, but turn to your shepherd's voice in trust and repentance of him today. And you will find restoration of your soul. And brothers and sisters, the lack of commands in Psalm 23 reveals joy and peace don't hinge on what we do or what we don't do, on what we have or what we don't have. Joy and peace hinge on who we trust, who is your shepherd. Joy and peace come from knowing who your shepherd is, Yahweh. And because the shepherd is your shepherd, you will never lack anything on ordinary days, on fearful days, and on the last day. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your mercy and grace to us, that you are the God who determined from before all time to have a people for yourself. And because we know who you are, we know your purpose will not be thwarted, but you will bring every one of your sheep home. And as we wait on you to fulfill that promise, we pray you would satisfy us with yourself, that you would prove yourself the shepherd whose sheep never lack anything they need, that you would lead us through valleys and peaks for your namesake, and that you would give us a deeper trust in your goodness and mercy, knowing that, come what may, you are leading us home.
And we pray that how we walk through this life would be a means for you to get great glory among our neighbors and the nations. For your name's sake, do this, we pray. Be our great shepherd. Amen.